At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. This episode is sponsored by photographycourse.net. Our 365 Days of Photography course is now live. This is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step -step format, which is very easy to follow. He presents it in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. If you've been wondering how you can improve your photography without having to commit time to long lessons, this is the course for you. We've designed each lesson to be around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others on the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we are offering a very special discounted price of $99 instead of the launch price, which is $149. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com slash 365 to claim your discount. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. You will absolutely love this episode if you've ever been curious about stock photography and art directing. I talked to Karen Billman, who is the art director at 500px. Her job involves a lot of exciting things like keeping up with trends and advertisements and helping photographers take the best stock photos possible. We talk about the importance of stock photography, tips on becoming an art director, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey, Karen, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hey, uh, so happy to be here. My name is Karen Bildman. I'm the senior art director at 500px, and I see over the licensing collection um, and work with photographers like all over the world on commercial content. 
really exciting. And it's so nice to have another member of 500px here on the podcast. I feel like I have some of the best conversations with you people. What camera equipment do you use? Well, when I was freelancing more, I was a Nikon user. I still love Nikon very much. Um, So if I'm doing professional shoots, it usually is a Nikon D50. But a couple years ago, maybe like four years ago, Um, I was playing around with the Fujifilm X series and I just like was absolutely obsessed with it. And if I'm being honest, I don't want to like sound (laughs) like I'm cheating on Nikon or something, but I would totally switch all my gear over to Fujifilm. So when I'm just shooting casually for myself or even I'll bring it as a backup camera on shoots as well, but I really like the Fujifilm X-T20. That's interesting. I haven't really heard too much of it. Fujifilm. I feel like most oh. photographers kind of opt for Canon or Nikon, but I know because those are the popular ones. You know, they get like a lot of hype. Everyone's always talking about them. I mean, they're fantastic systems, um, and they're super universal. I think like probably a lot of whether it's like an indie brand or sort of like a side brand for like um, the different glass that you can use for those systems. There's they're probably more popular, but I think you know Fujifilm's up and coming. Um, they have a lot of really fun like casual cameras, but the, I've just been like blown away with the X series. And I have a little 35 millimeter lens that I really like using. Um, it's like the perfect, I don't know, you shoot everything with it. Um, but the thing I like most about the camera is like, it's a little bit more, it's like the body is like more of like an analog camera. So it like really forces you to use the manual functions instead of just like hitting the shutter. And it, it, Honestly, like I'm looking at the camera now <laughs> and it's, it takes like a good beating. I take care of my cameras, but like, I don't know, <laughs> it survived is all I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's say that's one of the listeners or some of them are interested in upgrading their equipment and they don't know anything about Fujifilm in terms of price. Is it more expensive than Canon or, or less expensive? Um, I think it depends sort of on what camera you're looking for. If you're looking for like an entry level camera, like um, Canon's really range in price. Um, so, and it's, it's also, you know, do you want a crop sensor? Do you want full frame sensor? Um, that also depends sort of like what you're planning on shooting. The X-T20 is a crop sensor, but my Nikon is a full frame. So that like kind of made it more expensive. But when I bought the camera a few years ago, I think it was like, 2500 Canadian with the lens, which is like pretty average, I'd say, for like a, a good quality camera. But now I see them on sale for like half that price, mm-hmm. which again, I think is like fair uh, yeah. based on the quality I'm getting out of the camera. So um, I've definitely gotten my money's back. <laughs> my money's worked out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So it's not like crazy expensive or, or too cheap because, uh, yeah, it's, I think yeah, it's, it's like mid range, you know, it's not like a, a little digital point and shoot it's like it has some like power behind it but um it's definitely also not the top of the line either i've actually been thinking about maybe upgrading the body on the fuji film but i haven't committed yet because it's just it's still so good yeah yeah it's great that there are more and more camera brands coming out that are similar to canon and nikon that have their own unique uh, features to offer i think it gives more photographers uh just something to choose from that really perfectly suits their creative taste yeah like i'm not a sony shooter but i hear really really great things about sony as well yeah me too yeah sony never tried myself either but it's uh yeah it has a greater reputation yeah what do you shoot on canon 
Canon, yeah, I've been using the Canon 5D Mark II for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's a nice nice camera. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of photographers are now going for mirrorless, but I know nothing about mirrorless at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just, I I think it's just like probably the next phase in photography. You know, you're just trying to like make the body lighter and lighter. And then it will just like go completely digital. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the the future is bright for photographers, regardless of culture. There is something really nice, though, about kind of like slowing down your process and even just like going for something that's more analog and like, you know, like using the film, making sure that you're like light metering the situation and everything. It just like slows down your shot a little bit, makes you think a little bit more about it. So I don't think like analog photography is like totally dead. I mean, even when you're looking at like some of the trends that are like popping up in photography now, like you know, there's a lot of like heavy use of grain. Um, I feel that I'm seeing that. I, I really believe there's like going to be a huge nineties comeback. If I'm being honest, you see like a lot of like flares that maybe like you would have gotten from a light leak. Um, you're shooting film. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I agree with you. I've noticed that too. And I've noticed that trend for some time as well. People just have that nostalgia for, for the nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm totally obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same here. As you mentioned previously, you're the senior art director and manager of content at 500px. It sounds like a lot of fun. What exactly does an art director do? Ah, it is a lot of fun. I really can't complain too much. Um, It's like my dream job. I get to do a lot of work within the creative side of the industry. So that, you know, involves really um, looking into advertisements. I spent a lot of time sort of watching commercials actually I've been talking about this a lot recently where you know I'll be like oh are are you watching YouTube you know like they show the commercials on there I won't skip the ad because I like to see what other advertisers are putting out there like what kind of messaging they're using what kind of models like what's the direction that they're really trying to go in um and it, it it's been incredible to see sort of the different directions brands have taken um just through COVID just because like you know Traditionally, like advertising campaigns are really planned, like it could be like years in advance um, based on different like market trends that they're analyzing and stuff like that. So to really see companies pivot so quickly and almost panic, you can sort of like see some of the ideas really weren't thought through all the way. Um, But also like other ideas have been like really incredible. I have one example that's like one of my favorites, um, the Lavazza. I don't know if you know Lavazza Coffee. Mm-hmm. Do you know that brand? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I drink those coffees every day. <laughs> but um, they came out with an ad uh, when the pandemic first went off. And it was a bunch of like B-roll footage, probably like stock compilation of something. And they um, overlaid Charlie Chaplin's speech from The Great Dictator. And it was just like so powerful. It was so powerful. I highly recommend googling it or maybe I'll send it to you after this but it was incredibly done and they did it so quickly it was like March 1st 2020 they were out with this ad whereas like now you still see those messages within the advertisements but it's like I don't know it feels like a little bit delayed like they waited too long Um, I kind of feel like they need to start talking about like how people are adjusting or like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be like, we're all stuck inside. Like, what are you doing inside type thing? So a hu- <laughs> to get back to the question, a huge part of my job is like 
looking into advertisements, understanding what the messaging is and like what the next need within the commercial market space is going to be within like six months to a year. Um, just because you have to be reactionary, you know, uh, like you can't, well, you can shoot stuff in the moment, but if you're planning ahead, you'll likely be more successful within like, you know, developing your content, selling your content type of thing. Um, and then like another piece of the work I do is working with the photographers, making sure that they understand the requirements uh, for licensing their content, making sure that they know how to tag their content appropriately. So it is surfaced within our partner sites. And then, you know, there's like the boring stuff, the, the analytics and the tracking and all that kind of stuff. But uh, for the most part, it's, it's the best. <laughs> it's really fascinating. That's so much work in a good way because you, you get to absorb so much information and then be able to use it in a way that benefits 500 PX. That's really cool. Well, it, I think the best part about it is like, it doesn't really feel like work because it's stuff that I naturally enjoy doing. Like when, if I'm shooting for a client or something outside of work, I'm still going to be looking at trends for inspiration, mood boards to see like what's going to be the most relevant conversation for like whatever I'm doing. Um, so when I do it within 500 PX and I'm working with photographers to help like sort of like expand their understanding of what a shoot could be um within a commercial perspective it i don't know it's it's like not work it's like collaboration and it's uh yeah i don't know absolutely perspective <laughs> yeah it makes sense and you mentioned licensing i know a lot of photographers are maybe not confused about this term but they would like to know more about it could you talk a little bit more about licensing and how the process works yeah, yeah i think that's totally fair uh licensing so I guess I should have probably called it stock photography, <laughs> um, but licensing stock photography, they're synonymous. So it is, I think stock photography maybe has a little bit of a bad rap. Like usually when I'm reaching out to a photographer that I'm really inspired by or admire, and I'm just like, Hey, let's work together. Let's collaborate. Let's get you into this stock. There's a little bit of a, uh, like preconceived notion of that like typical cliche like white background cheesy smile cheesy pose type photography but that's like absolutely not what stock photography is now and I think it's like it's actually a really exciting time to get into stock photography because so many companies are trying to really change that narrative and provide options for different businesses to like be inclusive within their advertising. Like we want to provide that catalog of content for people to go through and be like, you know what, let's like choose a real person. Let's not choose an actor who's modeling within a photo. Let's like choose someone who's actually experienced whatever the message is that we're trying to convey. So I guess licensing in, in that sense, it's, it's licensing your content to different companies um, for a set period of time, you get paid a royalty rate for the content. So another piece of this, I guess, that I usually talk about is like, it's a, it's investing in yourself. It's not, it's not going to be a quick win. You're not going to, you know, be rich overnight or anything, but I guess my favorite comparison is, you know, you stick your content on Instagram and it looks great. You get lots of engagement, lots of views, but the opportunity for someone just to peruse across your content and like purchase it it's 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 there but it's not the same as when you 
put your photo into a stock library and then like have the opportunity to license it again and again and again. Um, So maybe you make like 50 cents, $5 off the first photo, but then that photo suddenly starts selling again and again and again. And at the end of the year, you have a hundred bucks and you didn't do anything extra to get that hundred dollars. So does that answer the question? I yes. feel like I went on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing answer. I've been meaning to have someone on the podcast who has knowledge about stock photography. Is it's just, as you said, it's so important, especially now and during the pandemic and even in the future, it's always going to be a thing, I feel like, because companies, as you said, are always looking for some sort of authenticity and you can be creative and express yourself and earn money on the side at the same time. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a great idea. I mean, I think as a photographer, you know, you have to, you shouldn't really limit your avenues to like for potential income. I worked like full time in freelance photography for a while. And it's like, you know, you're constantly like looking for those shoots and stuff. But if you're just like casually shooting on the side or you like retain the rights to your content or anything, like you can continue to earn off of those photos through uh, simply licensing your content. So it's just like, I really like comparing it to investment, ba- like investment baking or like, uh, just because like you're, you're investing in yourself almost. And then you just like, let it continue to grow without having to like put additional work into the, into the photography. So exactly. I guess the other, the other piece is like, I always tell photographers, like get the release when you're there, you know, cause you never know, like if you want to sell that photo, if you want to license the, the content, it's like, it's valuable stuff. So just like download an app or something and just like get them to sign the release right then and there. You always have the option to do whatever you want with that content. Exactly. Yeah. And just a note for self-portrait photographers like me, you also need to give releases. <laughs> yeah. Good tip. Good tip. Yeah. Even if, even if you're in the photo, you need the release. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, I remember being really, and I was working with another stock photo agency uh, and I remember asking them about it because it just didn't make sense to me personally. But then they said to me, <laughs> this made me feel a bit stupid. They said the client doesn't know who you are. You know, they don't know if you took the photo and they don't really care. They just need the mild release. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So exactly yeah photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses articles video tutorials editing resources and much more we have a thriving community where you can meet new people receive constructive criticism and discover new ideas every single day here is a message from one of our top community members robert morton hi my name is rob I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. But uh, one more question about licensing and stock photography. So uh, I know from experience there are different types of uh, licensing uh, or licenses you can give. So there's one, as you said, it's sort of continuous. You can keep selling the same photograph, right? 
And then there's more uh, exclusive rights. Uh, could you maybe elaborate on that? Yeah. So, well, I mean, the exclusivity piece, I think this is the piece you're talking about. It's just like whether you're licensing it exclusively with like 500px or non-exclusively with other stock sites. And that will sort of determine the royalty rate that you get paid out anytime you do make a sale. So with us, um, we if you license exclusively with us, you do get a 60% royalty rate off any sale. And that's some of the highest the highest royalty rates within the stock industry. So uh, we're pretty proud of that. We, you know, we want to make sure that our photographers are getting what they deserve from the sale. Um, and I think, you know, as you look around at other stock companies, it's really over the last few years, you can really see sort of like this race to the bottom and <laughs> to like really like split up the royalty rates, um, which I mean, it, it's a little disheartening to see, but again, like you will accumulate those sales over time, but yeah, we offer some of the highest rates. So definitely license your content with us. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. It's something to be proud of. Yeah. I admire the company for that because you prioritize the photographer's needs and you care about their income and it's not just you like trying We're to definitely get like a photographer's first platform. We are for photographers created by photographers. So it's a great place to be. Absolutely. And you, I'm just, I'm curious to know if you have any tips for people who also want to become art directors like you. Oh, totally. Well, I think, you know, as photographers or like creatives in general, you're someone who has to wear multiple hats regardless. So like you probably have experienced art directing without even maybe really knowing that you do mm -hmm. um, whether it's like directing your own shoots conceptualizing the concepts within the shoots that you have to go out and shoot stuff like that or even just like collaborating with other photographers talking ideas putting together mood boards doing your own research um, following trends within magazines like if you look at any kind of advertising at all and use that as inspiration that's like a huge part of my job is just looking at ads and understanding like the direction and like the motivation behind the ad and then translating that to photographers. So like, I mean, always doing that, always investing yourself in growing and like understanding different creative trends. That's like really going to be helpful, but like just also like a willingness to collaborate with like, whether it's your peers within groups on set offset, like in your personal life, anything that's going to give you like a huge leg up if you're interested in getting into art direction. Our 365 Days of Photography course is the ultimate learning experience for new photographers and even those with some experience. This course, presented in bite-sized lessons, teaches you step-by-step -step the essentials of photography and beyond. Get your discount code by visiting greatbigphotographyworld.com slash 365. Yeah, it's, that's really good advice. And you mentioned trends, and those are important in stock photography and outside of stock photography. And it's just very helpful to be aware of what's really popular in the moment. But also, yeah, there are also trends that are kind of timeless. And I'm curious to know what they are. Are there any? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Um, I think timeless trends. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm just going to go basic and say like lifestyle moments. I think those are like universal, especially when you really break those lifestyle moments up into like those micro moments. That's what's really going to translate to like a variety of other people. Like 
you shoot yourself all the time. And just like I, the moments you captured there, it's like, it's like freezing the second of like, you're just like in you're like thinking or like looking out a window or like you're holding your cat, like those little tiny moments translate to like so many different people. And because it's relatable in that way, that's, what's going to like really draw people into your content. And they're going to be able to see themselves, whether it's like the concept or messaging you're trying to put, or they sort of put on their own narrative to the content. That's what makes it really relatable, especially uh, I was talking about this to a photographer the other day, just trying to explain like, you know, we are all stuck at home, but that doesn't mean we have to be like in, I understand like the creative rut and like, you know, maybe it's not so inspiring when you're stuck at home to be out shooting, but there are like everyone wakes up in the morning, but maybe the way I wake up in Toronto looks completely different from how someone wakes up in Japan, but it's still really important to convey those similarities as well as highlight the differences and just provide that like representation and perspective within the photography. And I think when you think about it like that, that's, what's going to sort of always be there. There's always going to be people who are like showcasing their life and like shooting those really dynamic shots that like resonate with like so many different people. So that's one universal trend that I feel like will be around forever. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. And it's, I've noticed that too. And it's very uplifting to see companies embracing that more and more as well through stock photography as well, where it's, you know, I've seen a lot of trends on 500 PX lately with, uh, through quests and just through the, the licensing uh, ideas that you share, uh, you know, skin texture, diversity, people. I love, I love, I think like, you know, in the early 2000s, there's this like huge movement towards like really just like, I mean, always, but like really just like airbrushing your skin into like oblivion. But now, you know, we, we are, it's like, it's okay to have texture on your skin. It's okay to like, be glowy or dewy or like how you know really I love when you can see like pores I don't know it sounds kind of gross but like as someone who has done like extensive retouching before skin's not easy to retouch like mm-hmm. people like magazines employ retouchers who specialize in skin retouching because it's like not easy to do but just like incorporate like making sure that you keep those natural textures and like you're really showcasing someone's like natural beauty instead of trying to show this like fake plastic unrealistic unachievable like skin textures and everything like I just think that's like such a great movement towards just like making people feel like secure in their skin and just like knowing that like we're all human type thing I would like it to see it be like a little bit more aggressive (laughs) towards that direction but it's nice to see it like the conversation starting and like really like people grabbing hold onto it. Um, it's the same with like ensuring that we have inclusivity within photography, you know, and providing that representation. Like people come in all shapes and sizes, all colors. Like it's really important to incorporate that into photography and ensure and ensure that the representation is there. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. And I love that you mentioned. Uh, just how somebody wakes up in in Canada is maybe different to how somebody wakes up in Japan. And just that alone is a good example of 
why we as photographers, if we, if anyone is interested in stock photography, why we should embrace stock photography because these small moments in our lives, which we may deem insignificant, can be incredible opportunities for us to earn more money and work with companies and, and sell our photography. It's, you know, sometimes we overlook these things in our lives because we think they're, you know, just silly or no one's going to care, but it's that authenticity that people are looking for right now. Yeah. And I think it's been really amazing to work with um, like quite a few of the photographers, like you being one of them um, and just like maybe help them get out of their comfort zone a little bit. Um, we were working with one photographer. Um, she's also 500 PX ambassador. Her name's Isa Lyson. She shoots primarily with her dog, Opie, super cute border collie. I love her photos so much. They just go on these like incredible adventures all the time. But um, so yeah, she shoots primarily her dog, but we were working with her, um, you know, specifically within COVID. And she was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm just like really not sure. And it's like, well, I mean, break down the moments in your day. Like, do you have to give your dog a bath? Because lots of other people have to give their dogs baths. Do you have to make your dog food? Maybe you're like, putting down a bowl of food? Is it a first person perspective? Is it like a wide shot, a close shot? And just like turning that one scenario into like 50 photos. And and they all read differently. Like when it's a first person perspective that gives you like sort of more of a point of view, you're almost like embodying the person as you're like looking at the dog. And that can like read totally different from like a wide shot where it showcases like the model and the dog. And like the types of concepts that really like dive into those um, types of shots, you know, like dogs are very symbolic of friendship and loyalty and like companionship. And those are like concepts that will translate to a variety of other like business objectives. People love using dogs um, within advertising. I think um, it was like a few years ago, Budweiser had a Super Bowl commercial. I think it's still to this day. I might be wrong, but I think still to this day, the highest grossing Super Bowl ad to date, but they used a little Labrador puppy and a Clydesdale horse. And the whole ad was about this relationship between the puppy and the Clydesdale, but it was for a beer commercial, but people really resonated with the commercial because of the companionship, the loyalty and the relationship between this dog and the Clydesdale. It's super interesting highly recommend going to check it out and watching it and just like thinking about the messaging and how it relates to beer which is like crazy <laughs> but still like beautiful yeah that's fascinating i just i've never considered stock photography from that perspective because when i think of stock photography or uh, the way i thought about it up until now was you have to look your best, um, maybe not for 500px, as we just mentioned, the whole skin texture thing, which is great. But just in general, for other companies, it's like, you have to look great. You have to have neat uh, clothes on. Everything needs to look uh, beautifully processed. So it's just nice that you can find those small mo moments in your life and take like 50 photos from different angles and have that be a part of your licensing portfolio. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, like there are, you have, you know, there's like still the little bits and bobs. You have to like, make sure that you're covering like the logos, like make sure you're not wearing any like brand designer brands or anything, or like have any artwork in the background. But for the most part, like, you know, we, we give you like the requirements and stuff, but I mean, you can really develop 
something small like watering your house plants or something into like this like fully realized commercial shoot and i think talking about it in that way and just like continuing to plug that that's what's going to really like change how people perceive stock photography like it doesn't need to be a dirty word which like a lot of photographers i feel like they hear the word stock photography and they're like oh no like that's not for me but it can be like you want to be a fine art photographer you can still license your content you want to be a commercial photographer great stock photography is commercial photography so it's just like really changing the narrative behind that like stock photography is cool and it's like moving in this really incredibly exciting direction so yeah yeah, thank you for that perspective. Now I'm even more inspired to contribute more photos to. <laughs> yeah. Has working in an industry that's saturated with all kinds of photography influenced your work in any way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think when I was working more for myself, um, I really, really wanted to get into like fashion and like product photography. I mean, I think, you know, like, you have this idea when you're younger, it's like sexy and like so great. It is a very difficult industry to be in. But with stock photography, it's like you get to work with fashion photographers, you get to work with lifestyle photographers, product photographers, all that kind of stuff. And just the difference in their techniques or styling or something, you know, you you get to see so much diversity within the creativity of the community that it just like you can't help but be inspired by some of the stuff that they produce whether it's like um, a particular angle they shot at or like a concept within the photography or like the way they edit the photos or just like I've seen some like really cool stuff with like a variety of art lenses that has like made me want to go out and buy art lenses <laughs> uh, just to play around with but definitely like for sure the way people color grade their content, I think that, you know, that can really like elevate a mood or like set the tone for your photography. That's really been inspiring for me. Um, or just like, you know, I'll be perusing the 500px site and I'll see something. I'll be like, wow, this is amazing. I have to go out and try and shoot that right now. So it is, it's kind of like, you know, if you're like on Pinterest and you're trying to like, <laughs> I don't know, redesign your apartment or something. And you're looking for inspiration that way. It's the same thing. I get to go and like work with people or like just look through the 500px catalog um, and see photos and be like, wow, I'd love to try and shoot that. Or like, can I recreate something like that? It's so inspiring. I love the way it's shot. And then I'll go out and try and experiment. So yeah, <laughs> totally all the time. I love that. Yeah, it's so nice to be in a photography community with all kinds of photographers because you learn something new and then you figure out a new side of yourself you know you, you discover a new side of yourself thing you might and, know, yeah you might discover a new photography genre that you didn't know you were passionate about it's incredible yeah and you know as as much as like I'm teaching photographers about licensing their content or like the nuances of stock I have great conversations with them and they're teaching me as well whether it's like how they how like different presets they've used how they edit how they work with models or other photographers like these are like really incredible people so I've learned so much from them as well yeah that's amazing and outside of your job outside of 500px where do you typically find inspiration to take photographs oh Pinterest for sure I'm a Pinterest junkie um 
I love going on there. I could search for ages. Um, and they also have like incredible trend reports. Highly recommend looking at those as well. They dive into some like really interesting stuff. Um, they have some incredible predictions. And I think it, it almost takes you like down a, a rabbit hole almost, you know, you, you're searching for something on Pinterest and then you click out and then it clicks into something else. And then, yeah, suddenly you're like totally inspired to go and do something. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Pinterest is such a harmless form of social media, at least in my opinion, because it's just so, you know, just so creative constantly. <laughs> yeah. I love Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, same here, yeah. Okay, Karen, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Um, ooh, that's a big question. Um, I think I would love to really help develop the narrative within commercial photography and just like really grow the inclusivity that's available and redefine the messaging uh, to that point, you know, like, I think we still see like quite a bit of, you know, like cliche shots, uh, unrealistic, stereotyped content in advertising. We are seeing a shift, but like that representation needs to go further. So like, if I can do anything to help facilitate those conversations to help grow the representation within commercial photography at all, like I would, I would love to do that. So I think that's what I'd like to achieve. That's amazing. And you're already doing so much for the community. I mean, I've seen your work and all the, the trends you share and the, how encouraging you are when it comes to the 500px community. I really appreciate that. So I'm sure that you'll have a lot thank of success in the future. Yeah. So thank you for everything you do. So nice. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your experience. It was so interesting to hear about uh, stock photography. As I said, I'm inspired to to get into it even more now. And I hope the listeners are as well. And yeah, thank you for sharing yeah. your with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Happy to talk anytime. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, bye. See ya. I'm so glad that I had this interview with Karen. It was very interesting to find out about art directing and everything that goes into stock photography. I was especially surprised to find out just how important stock photography is in this day and age. Are you interested in becoming a stock photographer now? See you next week. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.